I fell into a ring of fire. I fell in. When you kiss me, fever, when you hold me tight. Fever. Hello and welcome to Fever FM. Uh, but short staffed this week. Frosty's taken the week off. Apparently he's allowed a holiday. Um, so we've gone to the bench early in the season and uh, I'm hosting. So we'll see how this goes. But we've got uh, Dave, Cam and Helena joining us. Hello. Good evening. Good evening to the bench. <laughs> you should get used to saying that now you're going to be a lawyer. <laughs> oh, that's actually quite funny. I was trying to think of a way to act like it wasn't, but unfortunately, that's quite good. You're welcome. Uh, speaking of bench, uh, there were two at uh, Sky Stadium on uh, Sunday as uh, the Wahinics hosted Melbourne City in the opening round of the, uh, I was going to say W League, but it's not even that anymore. And I think overall, probably a fair, I think probably a fair result, but perhaps some good signs and some stuff to work on. Is that a kind of kind of a middle of the middle of the road pitch really isn't it but anyone want to hard disagree with me there no i don't want to hard disagree i think i think if we'd got a point out of this it would have been a deserved point i don't think we were um out of this game by any stretch and i think the goal they got was uh maybe a little soft but they probably had the better chances and and you know dominated most of the stats so i don't think we'll feel um hard done by but that they got all three points but i think uh if it had ended a one-all draw you probably would have gone Maybe that favoured us a little, but we weren't completely out of this. Yeah, I think you've got that about right, to be honest. I think um, Melbourne, I certainly came away with that thinking City were the better side of the two, mm. but not by a huge margin. No. They definitely created more opportunities, certainly had more ball, but when I compare them to where we were at this time last season, because we played, I think, them second last season, and we got pummeled 4-1, and 4-1 was a flattering scoreline for us. Um there was no, at no time did I ever feel like they were going to do that to us this, the, in the game we watched on the weekend. No, it, it shows it shows how much more I think we probably can expect out of the team this year. We looked uh, much more on pace with what should be a good side in this league. Um, and, you know, we, we looked very competitive. Yeah, I think it's a good, like, way of putting it that you couldn't really complain with losing 1-0, but I don't think that you would have said it was unusual. It wasn't a fair reflection of the game if we'd drawn because, I mean, for example, I think there was one or two at least one-on-one chances that the Phoenix didn't take. Yeah. So it wasn't like they didn't have good clear-cut chances in this game. There, there were multiple moments where you'd probably say put it in the that person should have done better category. So, I mean, that in itself is probably something to be going off of. Mariana Speckmeyer looked the goods when she came on. Yeah, we certainly had some players that looked really good, and I think there's um there's a lot of positives to take out of it, right? It was yeah, a lot of a lot of improvement season on season. I think the only issue with any of that really was the 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 finishing, the actual finishing, the final effort at goal is probably where the work would come in. But you're right, the creativity was there, the opportunities were there. Speckmeyer looked fantastic, and I'm assuming that was a planned substitution more than anything else, because I actually thought Manaya Elliott played really, really well in that first half as well. Um, if I was pulling anyone off a first-half performance, it was going to be Emma Main. I thought um, Manaya Elliott was running at people, beating people, not afraid to have a go. She had a, a good little... Um, I don't even know what the move's called, but to beat a player with the outside and then inside of the right foot to go past a player. I don't know what that's called, but it was... A chop. Sure, but it was in the northern end corner. And right in front of where I was sitting, I was just really impressed that in her in her professional debut against what was you know the top team from last season, she was prepared to like take a player on and do that. It was, it was just, it was beautiful to see. Yeah, heaps of positivity probably across the park is something that I noticed. Like, I think what possibly we hadn't seen before with the Phoenix is like these players were very much allowed to be themselves. I think like immediately from game one, Macy was pulling out the back heels, the little shuffles. So you know, lots of players with kind of the more creative, the flair side of their game coming out, which I personally like because if that's going to be, if they're going to be able to play instinct instinctively then I think we'll get better football out of them and you know 
sometimes that meant they made poor decisions. I can think of a lot of occasions where in the midfield people were trying things that was kind of ended up giving the ball away in the dangerous area and that's obviously not great but I think it's easier to fix that than it is to put creativity into a team that's had it taken out of it so I thought you know a bit disappointing I thought the goal was soft I thought the, the defenders were caught ball watching for it but other than that exciting signs should we, we roll back for the, to the starting 11 perhaps uh, we had Foster and goal I think that was kind of Maybe not a surprise, but I think it was kind of flagged as if Brown Edwards would be on the bench. Um, there was obviously another Foster at left back, uh, Van Demir and Barry in the centre back, and Davidson on the right. I don't think any surprise there. Taylor as a kind of a holding midfield. I think that had been flagged previously during the seat uh, um, during the week, and I guess a, a little bit of surprise, perhaps, and Helena, you might suggest otherwise, that Elliot and Fraser both started um, with Knott and Breslin, and then Main up front. I guess. Two guy, uh, two guys, two girls on scholarship deals uh, straight into the starting eleven ahead of, you know, people like Wisniewski or uh, Wynnum. Was was that a bit of a surprise when you saw the starting eleven, Helena? I think the area that I was looking at, like actually looking at, was yes, that kind of midfield area because I was interested in what temps was going to do I mean I wasn't surprised by Macy I mean this is a, this is a hard point to articulate I wasn't surprised by either Manaya or Macy being good enough to come straight into the starting 11 in the very beginning of their professional career because both of them are I think extremely talented footballers I think what is just interesting about it is the the way that the midfield is being balanced is being constructed for the Knicks because you have they have a lot as we said last week they have a lot of options in there, but not all the options are going to give you the same profile of midfield. Um, they, I think, have definitely erred on the side of technical and fast and creative and positive with those starting lineup selections. I, you know, I think Grace probably gives you. I think Grace is a brilliant attacking player, but I think the way that she's been playing recently would give you a bit more of a stable platform. Um, and I think they just kind of went for work rate and positivity which is interesting because as I say it's just about alchemy it's about balance but I think both Macy and Manaya looked right at home straight away they did they they looked very um very confident and and not um shy to go looking for the ball and I think you know there's there was a lot of desire to go forward and perhaps I think sometimes particularly in that first half we perhaps tried to overplay a little bit too much in, in some tight areas and got caught giving the ball away in midfield and, and, and a couple of breaks that I think for the most part we kind of dealt with dealt with all right. But I guess just the confidence was quite impressive for me. I mean, you know, Elliot and Fraser both first professional game main played, what, four games or five games at the end of last season. Yeah, it's pretty inexperienced, you know, front, well, three of those front sort of five players. And um, I guess to to look to knock the ball around as a first instance, I thought was, was a very promising sign. Well, that's who those players are. That's those, that's who they've always been. Like, you know, Manaya's a few years younger than me. Haven't, I haven't played against her, but I have played against Macy mainly on a futsal court. And that is just the essence of who she is as a player. It's just positive. It's technical. It's attacking. And so what I like is that Temps is clearly creating space for players to just play then that's a really overused phrase but to genuinely play their natural game which I think is quite well I mean very early days but that's quite impressive if so because actually it's a it was pretty bold starting lineup to have that much of an attacking midfield when you've got very attacking minded fullbacks um just to put that team sheet out against Man, uh, Man City Melbourne City you know that there's always the risk of a cricket score, I think, in that fixture. So, yeah, I mean, it, did, it surprised me, but I understood it. It just was more interesting to me. I think that, actually, the reason why the Chloe played ahead of Grace is because it was so attacking. So Grace is obviously an 8, can play in 10, but is a, is a much more attacking player, whereas Chloe is much more defensive-minded. And when you do have so many creative players on the park. Even your fullbacks in Hayley Davidson, particularly, is very gifted on the ball and not afraid to make a move. Michaela Foster is up and down that line constantly and her delivery is fantastic. And you've also got Hope Breslin in there, which, because you've got all those creative players, it does free up a space for someone like Macy Fraser to 
she's not going to be the 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 um the fulcrum of every attack so they can't uh, city can't mark her out of the game the, the issue we had of previous seasons obviously with Alyssa Wynnum being the most gifted player everyone knows she's the most gifted player and you can mark her out of a game and therefore dull creativity that's not an option this season because the other players around Macy are equally as gifted and equally able to be creative so it's probably allowing her more space and therefore chloe also does a bit more protection allowing her a bit more freedom to be creative i mean that is interesting because i you know chloe i did play like was was club captain at forest hill when i was there and she had was always a much 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 more attacking player it's the phoenix that required her to kind of turn into this utility sort of player so it's quite it's quite and I agree with you that that's the role she's been playing in the Phoenix and partly just because she has unbelievable work rate but it is an interesting shift in her game because I mean at Georgetown she was kind of a real 10 like the real engine room of the of the attack at Georgetown and at Durham um when she played in the UK so it's, it's an interesting shift but I agree like it's a much more balanced midfield it might be also her maturity, right? Being older than the other players, she's got she's much more able to understand where her strength and weaknesses lie. She can understand what role she can implement in within there as well. Mm-hmm. So that could have made again, it's freeing up space for Macy to be Macy, which is great. Yeah, I think it, I think it's interesting we talk about balance because I think I think there's a lot of positives to take out of the the lineup we put out there, but I do think it, it kind of lacked one element of balance, and that that is that player who really looks to finish. You know, you mm. don't have an out and out goal scorer in there. You've got a lot of very attacking, very creative, very technically good players there, but I think particularly in that first half, you did kind of lack that that person just with the eye for goal. And, and all of those players can score goals and have scored goals and will continue to score goals, but you didn't have that one person who was the the just eye for goal, the, the turn and shoot, the finisher. And I think you could kind of see that a little bit. You know, um, Emma Main was, you know, ostensibly up top, but she's not that person. She's she's a 10 as well. She's a creative player. She's not, she's not your lone striker nine role. Um, and so asking you to play that role was a bit interesting. And I think she... She came into it a bit, but the first kind of 10, 15 minutes, she she struggled a bit there. And I think as well, um, and it probably true of a few players, kind of struggled to to adjust to the game. You know, they, they were going down a bit cheaply and not winning the foul because of it and, and some of that sort of stuff. We're actually at this level and the way the A-League referees tend to go, you need to, you need to be pretty strong on the ball. You know, you will get fouls when they're there, but if you go down cheaply, you're not going to get it like you might at other levels. And, you know, the pace of the game's a little faster. So there were some cheap turnovers, that kind of stuff that I think we saw early on that, that we, you know, cut out reasonably quickly. But it's that kind of stuff they're going to have to adjust to at this level. And we do just need that that finishing edge. Yeah, I, I think I agree with Main. She looked a little, I want to say lost, but I think that's a bit stronger word. Like, you know what you mean, I watched her like a bit and mm. you could kind of see that you, what kind of runs you'd expect from someone out there, she wasn't quite there or was like, you know, five or 10 seconds too slow and it kind of break up some of the play. But um, yeah, obviously she was kind of there to fill in a bit of a spot because Speakmire obviously had a very disjointed preseason. So yeah. um, she's kind of a, and yeah, I think she was subbed at halftime, wasn't she? I think not long after halftime. So I guess that probably highlights that to, um, in particular, but, yeah, I mean, she I mean, she was involved, I guess, with our best chance at the first half, wasn't it? When there was a little kind of overlap yeah. down the right-hand side, she put a cross in and it got headed back to her and she kind of scuffed the shot. Whereas I think the better better choice, I think, was there was a cutback, I think, to maybe Breslin, I think, maybe in the penalty spot, who was, who was reasonably free. And, and I think we probably missed that opportunity. But Well, or even the header going back on target. I mean, the, 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 the cross was pretty decent and the goal had opened up the the header was not back across the goal the way it came. So there were there were a few choices there that probably didn't didn't line up quite right. But it was it was a great run and at least we got a cross out of it. I think we often see teams in Phoenix colours kind of fail to to do. Yeah, I think it was probably our best chance of the half and, and I think, you know, maybe Melbourne City had one earlier, a couple of minutes earlier, that caused a sort of low save down from Foster. But other than that, it was a pretty a lot of huffing and puffing, but not kind of too much sort of end product from from either side i think it was like f- felt like a pretty fair result going in a little at halftime um and then we obviously we switched switched halves um in a few changes and i felt like melbourne city maybe went up a slight gear 
ahead of us and, and started to control, I think, position and, and chances a little bit more. Is that is that what it felt like? It felt like that in the stadium stands, but it's, it's sometimes you get a warped perception when you're down one, one end of the stadium. Uh, my perspective was a bit different, to be honest. I actually thought we were better in the second half purely because we had a more focused attack around Spickmire. So I didn't feel like City were any more dominant. Again, you guys have a different perspective when you're sitting up high, right? And you can see the game very differently. But from my perspective, I actually thought we were still holding our own very well with a more sharp edge in the middle because Speckmeyer looked like she could finish. See, I kind of, I see what you mean. And I agree that Speckmeyer was pretty transformative, but like I interpret it as the Phoenix were getting worse. The quality was getting worse and it was frenetic. And Speckmeyer was kind of just using some individual brilliance amidst that to kind of create some spark like I think a lot of what we saw from her that was like oh who's this was actually because the play was breaking down and it was kind of just like helter skelter for a bit um so I'm I would be I hope that she's kind of coming back to fitness because I would like to see her in that first half which I felt was more structured yeah I I think we saw from her um, a lot of good qualities but I I agree it looked it looked like a player trying to do it off their own back to some extent um and it's it's good to see a player of that quality in there that clearly has some talent to be able to do that, to be able to create a moment out of nothing. But that same player with the better structure around them, the better chances being created for them is gonna is gonna perform a lot better than kind of trying to take the game by the scruff themselves. She, she had the our best chance in that second half, didn't she? Was that, is that cross sort of along so eight yards out, and it kind of caught it half volley, and she kind of flicked it mm. just high, and then I think from memory Melbourne City went down the other end two minutes later and scored up is that that's correct yeah it was um yeah. it was a ball across from Taylor uh mm, and um, Taylor the winger yeah and she got like she was she was unmarked and just outside the six yard but it was quite it was a low whipped cross and she was coming in late mm. and just couldn't quite control the touch that she was getting if she got like flat footed and got her studs to it rather than getting underneath and getting a toe and pushing it over. I think she had much, uh, had a pretty much a golden chance to score anywhere other than at the keeper and it's in. So yeah, just um, unfortunate, maybe three or four games into a season, she would probably put it away, but uh, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. And then the goal, and it was always going to be Hannah Wilkinson, wasn't it? It's always a Kiwi. <laughs> I have so many messages being like, why is it always just against us? <laughs> Well, she's the top goal scorer, so she must score against other people, other teams as well. Uh, um, it was a long shot, well, shot from sort of what twenty yards out that um, Foster parried straight into Wilkinson's path, who who tapped it home without sort of any pressure. I guess, yeah, I, I mean, Foster won't be very happy with that. No, I mean, yeah, I think, yeah, I think it possibly wasn't as bad an error as it possibly looks from like a layman's perspective because I think Policina what she's done is quite clever the way she's used her body to disguise the turn and then whipped it um I think trying to catch was probably the wrong decision ended up pairing straight back into traffic possibly that's a situation where you want it going around the post but like I, I think that disguise turn that the shot came in from I think is possibly slightly wrong-footed Foster but for me it's like the centre-backs kind of were nowhere near Wilkinson she yeah. just like moonwalked in and tapped it in like it was that's way too easy a little hint of uh shoulder offside <laughs> reminiscent of the philippines game you think look i'm i'm, I'm always thinking about that that is my roman empire deal <laughs> i mean there's no var but it's never going to happen and without var right so yeah, yeah I, I, th- I think um if i can slightly defend foster and this is no no means a complete defense i think the the two things that went against her is I think the shot wasn't quite far enough wide to be able to palm around the, the post. Like it was just too close to her and she tried mm. to catch it for good reason, you know. But I think the thing that really got her, I think, is it bounced just in front of her. And those ones where you're diving down, but the ball's coming back mm. up are really um, like a quite tricky ones for a goalkeeper. And if it was, you know, a half a yard wider, she'd be able to just like palm that to the side. But because it's kind of in her sort of, you know, midriff spot you kind of it's hard to parry it wise so you try to catch it and, and if you don't get it right you kind of bubble it into someone's but I mean it's a real shame because I thought other than other than that she looked very confident very comfortable her kicking was a little bit iffy but I don't know how much that is to do with the 
famous Wellington wind, but other than that, I thought it she was epically true. windy. Eh? It mm. was horrendously windy yeah. down there. And um, Prul, the the city keeper, like I think, was kicking in a similar manner. So I think it may have been atmospheric. <laughs> That's one way to describe it. I thought it was quite a good way to describe it. Yeah, and then I guess after we won it down, we didn't really create too much until kind of the last five minutes, really, wasn't it? And then there's a couple of corners, and and Macy uh, Fraser had a, a lot, yeah, shot from distance that I guess stung the the hands of the their goalkeeper. But um, for as, as much as we kind of push forward and uh, Foster getting up into the box, it didn't really look like we'd pull it back, really, did we? Not not particularly, but I think I think regardless of whether or not it looked like we would, I think it shows intent to the season, right? This is this is the first game of the season we're sending the keeper up in the last five to try and get a point. It's it's quite a different outlook on a result. You know, I think there there is a point there where this the side would have gone, you know what? Going down by one's a pretty good result, but that's clearly not the intent for the season. The the intent for the season is we want to compete, we want points, and and that's um, quite a different message to be sending, regardless of whether or not it looked like we were going to nick one there. There was um, certainly a different edge to it, and they wanted to see that game out properly, rather than you know just staunch the bleeding like we've seen um, games finish out like in the past. So I think I think there's a lot of positive signs there, and, and hopefully it all comes together soon. It's it you know the the, the signs are good, and it's a, a first hit out. I think we can um we can build from for sure. Yeah, it didn't feel like they were going to score. A pile more either you know i mean we, we yes I, I i still felt like we could get a goal i certainly felt like we were being creative enough and if we can get that finishing right then certainly we had had the opportunity to score um but i didn't think that they were going to go down and score two or three more so um yeah just there there, there were so many so many positives and i guess what i've tried to do after that game is look look at the previous season's home game against melbourne city and look at the not just the scoreline but the performance that the players have put out the competitiveness of the players that are like at the the team as a whole and as we've said previously on the pod if we'd nicked a point out of that it would have been justified and the intent they played with the the God, even just the their speed of transition, the speed, the, the ability to find the right pass at the right times, all stuff which has improved significantly on previous. I'll, I'll, wait, I'll make one more point and then I'll ask two questions. I guess we saw last year we struggled in the second halves of, of a few, few games, which kind of indicates a bit of a fitness thing. We didn't seem to fade this time and, and we obviously went to Australia for a couple of weeks. Do you think perhaps it, does it seem like the fitness levels are a bit more I don't know, up with the rest of the league as far as we can tell? I think there's probably two things that affect us in that. I think um, we've obviously had a bit more of a preseason to build from, which is great. That's got to help the fitness levels. Obviously, the trip to Australia, there's a few things there that probably help that. But I think probably the bigger factor is we've got more depth now. I think that's going to help see out second half. So I think the the biggest thing previous seasons was not necessarily individual fitness. It was it was the depth you had to see out games. And I think that's where we're going to see a real difference here, obviously. Um, you wouldn't expect Speckmeyer to be the one seeing out second halves normally necessarily. So you, you've got that factor there. But I think the, the general depth across the squad is going to help us in those second halves. Uh, we won't fade anywhere near as much, even if the fitness was the same. But I think there's probably a bit of both in there. Yeah, I think, like you said, there's probably a few things going on. I think also it's the, the players that we do have now. There is some more experience players who are older so they're literally just biologically physically able to be fitter um more time spent at cis with all of their facilities that they have i think also the fact that a lot of those players were either in the world cup squad or were in world cup camp so we're training at a very high level through the break as opposed to just like being in a club team um and then players who were like have been in the states who've been if you, I mean, honestly, you can say what you will about the college system in the states, but if you're college soccer conditioned, you are extremely fit because you just the loading is almost detrimentally high. So I think there's there's a a lot going on that is going to I think probably allow them to play that much higher tempo of football. I don't think that the last two years they could have got away with temple temple ball, but this year I think they can. Ooh, we're a label like temple ball. I like it. Uh, I asked a question, but that wasn't one of the two questions I wanted to ask. First one was Taylor at defensive midfield. Yay or nay? I've already said yay, and I'm sticking with it. 
yeah, I'm more than comfortable with that uh, off the first effort. And I like to think that Melbourne City are likely to be a grand finalist team. They're certainly likely to be the top in the top three. I'd like to see this against a team that is going to sit around sixth because I certainly think that we we'd be very competitive with those. I'd like to see her performance in that game. Yeah, agree. I think it's it's a good thing. Cool. And the four foreign players, and look, look, thinking back to the men's first four foreign players, are they more towards the Cleverson end or the Felipe end? Or somewhere <laughs> in the middle? God, I mean, I, mean I, I was like nine. This isn't your, you know, this is what you're asking me about. Uh, I was living in London. I've got no idea what the first uh, four uh, guys were to like at all. Uh, Cleverson was trash and lasted about two games, three games maybe. Great summary. Yeah. I think he still lives in uh, Ramati, if I recall correctly. I mean, I think I think the, <laughs> the, quality, the quality looks good to answer the question, but it's really too soon to tell. I think I think expectation on them is going to be high. They they look like they will be all I would say able to perform well in this league. Whether or not they do remains to be seen. I think the difference that these players will bring, and it certainly appears to be from what I've seen of Davidson and Breslin particularly, is it's going to take the pressure of being the most gifted players away from Alyssa Winner, away from those kind of players because there's others that can take that load they've obviously got skills they're obviously very very good footballers um yeah have to wait and judge to see if as a as players within this particular club within the way that we want to play football whether it's an actual whether it actually works or not signs are good though signs signs certainly are they're more like the zawada level than the kalebison level if you want to say excellent thanks for answering my question cam even if he had no context to what the continuum was. Okay, so looking ahead, we are over the ditch to Western Sydney Wanderers, who will be out, uh, be without um, Millie Clegg, because she's not allowed to play, because she's under 18. And But didn't she go there for minutes, Dale? I, I mean, there's... Who could say? It's like, it's like irony in moving to a team, because you can't guarantee minutes to move to a team to be guaranteed not to play the first two weeks because of your age. Helena, do you have any, any wonderful insight into the Wanderers side? They obviously went down 2-0 uh, to Sydney um, last weekend, but anything other than my Well, token? I think my my insight is what everyone is wondering is what is going on behind closed doors at Western Sydney because they sacked their coach yeah, days before. Ten, 10 days before, I think, the season and with no kind of... Yeah, and apparently like no notice. Like She was at training and then came in and it was... You know, so that's obviously not great for that group of players going into that season. And, you know, I think West, you could probably possibly call them kind of perennial underperformers. They've struggled frequently. Um, but, you know, Malia, Malia Steinmetz was the engine for them. She's obviously, after that amazing World Cup performance, has gone to Denmark. Um, so that's a big loss for them. And off the top of my head, like Clegg is probably the signing for them. I think Serena Bowen might. Yeah. Like Clegg is probably the signing for them. So the fact that she can't even play to begin with, I think they're a little bit chaotic. There's nothing about them that I think is, you don't line up against Western Sydney and be thinking about things about them that you have to neutralise. I think it's a game where you can kind of prepare with reference to your own systems, your own processes. So that's exciting for the Phoenix. I think they can get out there and do what they want to do and start trying to get these connections, these little short passes going. Because I don't... I'll be surprised if Western Sydney really, really shocks us. So you'd, you'd say, based on what we've seen in the first round, you'd put us going in as favourites? Well, I mean, I don't know if the Phoenix wear the favourite tag well. <laughs> no, it, absolutely not. But, you know, step step back from those personal feelings about that. <laughs> I've never stepped back from a personal feeling in my life. Um, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I think, I think, yes, actually, yes. I think we've had a better transfer off-season. I think we've got better people in better squad continuity, much better preparation because we didn't sack our coach 10 days before the season started. You know, 
that that's pretty hard to deal with. So yes, I think the Phoenix need to find a way to play this game with a little bit of swagger and not let it kind of erode their mental space and actually just own it and go into this expecting like expecting that they're going to pick up three points, expecting that of themselves. Because I think for me, that's the expectation. I'll be disappointed with a draw or a loss. It's 100%. I say we're going to win it. Uh, I think we won it by a couple. I think we are that much better than we were last season and we were competitive with them last season and they are not better than us. Uh, they've not improved their team, sorry, from last year. So I think we go out this as favourites and I think we win by a couple. Cam's going in hot. Are you coming you... in hot and mean it. I genuinely mean it. I went in pretty hot too, to be fair. I just have a sort of disinterested way of speaking. <laughs> I mean, I, I want to echo what you guys are saying, but not maybe quite as strongly. I think I think for me, this is the test of, of our season and where we're really at. I think Melbourne City, you almost had a bit of a free hit there, right? You you had a team who you know are going to be very good in this competition. You're probably catching them at a good time where they're maybe a little undercooked, a little scratchy for first game of the season, and you guys could go with a bit of positivity and kind of test yourselves. Obviously, we didn't come away with anything um, in terms of points other than, you know, some positives for the team. Whereas I think this is the game where you find out where you're at. This is a game you should do well. You should be targeting points. And that's got to be the goal. So this, this one for me is the test of of what where we're at and what we're actually doing. Because I think um, for once, we're actually going to have some expectation on our shoulders. And if you come away with no points, that's going to say a lot maybe about um, our over expectation of where we're at just because we picked up a few imports and things are better than they were that maybe that's just over positivity from from the club and from the fans i i hope that's not the case i hope this is going to be the one where we go out there and go no we are genuinely here to win this competition or you know make our mark on it at least yeah i mean i think that's the evolution that needs to happen for phoenix now right we've had the evolution into a second season team. We've now we're having this evolution into we've got imports. The next one for me that's critical is can we become a team that expects to win and does win? Do you think Speckmeyer starts given she played forty five minutes? I mean if you play second forty five minutes you must play the first and try to get another ten minutes out, right? Well, I think if that's your recovery plan she starts. Um she's yeah, certainly the best striker by what we've seen so far. So you're right. If her ne- if the next thing is increase it by 15 minutes, then she's got to be uh, got to be starting. Yeah, I think the only reason the only reason she ah. does in this if there's something behind the scenes there oh. that we don't know about in terms of that fitness and that kind of stuff. But science science would say surely she starts. All right, so three points in the bag. Let's go. Well, I mean, <laughs> you've really misrepresented the discussion there. <laughs> that doesn't sound like Dale at all. Yeah. Frosty would never have done that to me. <laughs> and Alayda's getting her lawyer on, man. You've got to be careful. Um, I also want to go on record and say I, I, my expectation for the season isn't that we're going to win the league. But I certainly feel like we've put a team together which should be challenging for a top six playoff spot. I certainly think that that should be the ultimate realistic goal. And to do that, you need to be beating teams like Western Sydney. Yeah, I mean, they were on the border for the top six last last year and that was only six points ahead of us so i mean i think i think there's a difference between where you expect to finish and your vision board of where you expect to finish right you know you don't you don't go out there and go we're gonna we're gonna finish fourth this season you know that that team talk is we're gonna go out there and win the damn thing right whereas i think if you look back at season one the vision board didn't have winning the trophy on it anywhere you know that that would have been an absolute pipe dream whereas i think this season you can kind of realign that expectation to say we're going out there to win and when you when you fall just short that's still a bloody good effort thanks ted lasso that's much that's a much better summary all right uh on to the men um the men start this weekend as well um so a couple of things i had a, a pre-season win over victory in melbourne last week uh courtesy of a costa goal um it looked like they started paulson and goal paying Wait, who scored yeah believe it yeah I still don't. It's a nice finish if, you, if you've caught it on social media and a nice ball as well from David Ball. I think Paulson starting goal and then Payne, Wooten, Sermon and Kelly Howard the back, um, Rufa, Pennington in that middle and then front sort of four of Costa, Ball, Sawada and Crive. So not much different to what I think they had in the, in the FA, uh, Australia Cup, I should say. Uh, yeah, so I guess, guess it is pre-season and, he, and the caveats to go with that but um, I don't think going over there we would expect it to have won that game regardless 
not 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 in Melbourne, eh? Not in Melbourne. I think it's 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 a good result. Any time we win in Melbourne's a good time to win a world cup, even if it's preseason, even if it's cup, it doesn't matter. A win in Melbourne is great. It's going to be great for the confidence. Um, yeah, I think uh, you you got to take it as you say with a bit of uh, bit of the caveat of being preseason, but it's going to do the, do the team a world of good. Yeah, I think you're right. I think any any result over there is a good result, even even if they were um, trialing some things and ran a few understrength players or whatever, which is always the the thing you don't know in a preseason hit out. Um, any result in Melbourne is a good result for us because um, you'd expect historic Phoenix versus victory. Even a B squad usually beats us over there. So uh, yeah, I think you, you take some positives for that for sure. I guess one thing that sprung out, and this was based on purely on the victory packaging of the highlights, was our lack of chances, um, but they only clipped in one, I think, or maybe maybe two, I can't quite remember. Uh, but also our ability to give the ball away in dangerous areas and cause ourselves some problems in them creating chances from that. Gives me a little bit of concern because we haven't exactly been prolific pre-season, have we? We had scored a couple against Central Coast, didn't score against Melbourne City, and only scored a couple of real b- trash goals against some team in the Australian Cup and even against some local sides here in Wellington, we haven't exactly put many of the Central League teams away. A big concern of mine is is while we have Zawada up there, are we able to create the chances we need for him and others to give us some breathing space at the back? Yeah, I mean, I think... I think... There's probably a little of your own confirmation bias in watching those highlights and and spotting the things you were worried about in there. You know that's that's always going to be the case. You're looking for particular things, and you'll probably see them more than you might see the other things. But I I think they're probably fair fair criticisms, regardless, right? I think we know um, the team. You know, you can you can talk up all the positives you like. You know, we've we've retained all of our imports. They're all pretty good. All that all that kind of stuff you can talk up all you like. I think we know broadly speaking, this is one of the weaker squads as a whole. Um, but that's because we are looking to build youth. We are looking to, you know, do some things a bit differently to um, what the Phoenix and what many clubs in the A-League have done. But I guess that's that's kind of the, the role of the dice, right? I think it's going to be one of those ones where because of the nature of playing youth and an experience and, and building from an academy, you are going to have some games where people have shockers and you have some some turnovers and bad areas that lead to a goal and all that kind of stuff is going to happen. But you're you're hoping that the, um, the bolters balance that out. You know, you have a few of those who come through and turn out to be absolute, you know, rockets in the a-league and the best players we've seen in years and you know that can still happen in some games and still have a shocker in another so that's only really going to tell the story across the season because i think even if you do have a few in there who look incredibly good and and more than ready to make the step up which i think there probably are a few in there they're still going to make mistakes because they're young and they're green yeah i guess if if you look at our what it seems to be our our starting 11 that i listed I mean, there's not that much difference from last year. Look, you got Sermon in for Payne, who shifted to right back. So not a huge, yeah, a little bit of inexperience from Sermon. He didn't play a lot last year. Paulson starting, but again, he's played off and on. Maybe not so much last year, but previous years he's played a few games. And Kelly Howell is the only one that really hasn't played any A-League kind of at all. It's not the most inexperienced down 11, I guess. For me, it's the... What happens if we get one or two injuries? And correct, it's the depth that changes. I think. I think, as you say, there are a couple in there who are still a bit green, and they're in relatively key positions. I think is why, um, you know, you know, you've got it in goal, you've got it in your back line. It's it's going to be interesting, but I think it's it's below that starting eleven that it really starts to tell you your first change is, um, yeah, it's it's quite green, and it only gets greener the further you go. And if you lose some of those starters to injury your starters are now looking a lot greener. Yep, I totally agree. I think um, depth is going to be tested. I think it's going to be tested early until you can actually get those guys the minutes they need to get the experience they need on the field. Um, in, say, in saying that, they say that first 11 is decent. That first 11 should be good enough to get us a nose in front in some games. Um, so it's 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 one of those seasons that you go into it you're going into it with a little bit of trepidation purely because we haven't had big money signings and we haven't had you know lots of experience come in, but we have had some really talented young footballers come in and 
if you get two of them come off this season, one playing great role at six and another one banging the goals in for fun, then or, or at least being creative in a wide role, then it's probably going to balance out to being okay. Yes, to, to some degree. I think you know, we are relying on a Costa finding some form that he didn't have last year and has had it previously. David Ball doing the same. You know, didn't have a great season last year. So we're kind of relying on those two to, uh, you know, come back to a level that they've previously been. Zawada to replicate what he did last year to a fairly similar degree. And, you know, the early signs are, I don't think he scored in the four kind of big preseason games. So um, I have some sort of question marks over there. And then Cryev, I guess, having a bit of form that he had at the start of the season and he kind of tapered off. So there's a lot of ifs in that kind of starting eleven that are kind of hanging over. And I think that's probably where a lot of the fan base is kind of at is a little bit concerned that, yeah, on paper, fine. But based on last year, what, you know, what version of those players are we going to get? And I know obviously there's, there's kind of the sort of Pennington hate club as well that kind of sits across that as well. Um, and, you know, um, so there's a lot of, there's, there's a lot more question marks, I think, over our starting eleven this year than has been in, in recent seasons, I think. Yeah, and I think I think some of that's um, reasonably well founded, but I think there's always that kind of discussion that takes place about often you kind of win the A League based on your strike rate with your imports, and I think that's going to tell the story for us this year. They're not new imports for us; it's not an unknown strike rate, but it is how many of those come good, right? You know, you, you only have your five spots, and if you say have three of them come right, that can actually be enough to win you the whole damn thing, right? That historically has been the way is the teams that, you know, get over 50% of them performing um, really well, do very well in the competition. And I think we're probably looking the same here. I think you look across the, the imports we've got and you go, all of them could do the business for us this season. And if all four of them play to the level they're, they're capable of, we probably do pretty well. Whereas if we are hitting below that 50% strike rate, that's where our season will tell. Um, you know, the players around them obviously have a role to play in that. But I do think we're lucky in that we have continuity with our imports. But as you say, a lot of them, despite that continuity, do have big question marks around around their, you know, recent form and age and, you know, stuff. You know, Bally's not getting younger, but that doesn't mean he can't be that workhorse and be that engine room he has been and create some chances. But will he be? We just don't know. I think you can also throw in how Moel Tay uh, does with the team. Obviously, new to the team, and it comes with a you know a bit more experience than the other ones. If he if he supports well and Costa as well, so they're big enough. So basically, basically putting aside the fact the the young uh, signings, those guys with more experience, Tim Payne, I guess you'll be throwing in there as well. They're they're the key. I really do think they are the key. And if they come off, then yeah, it's going to be a very successful season. And if, but if you're going to rely on those young guys to be the catalyst to drive you forward, may not work out so well. Yeah, I think there's, I think there's no question our squad is weaker than last year, and perhaps the last three or four years, at least you know, as it stands now. And, and I think that probably applies also to our starting eleven. I guess what's in the back of the mind is. Is, and I haven't really done it in depth, kind of dig at this, but it feels like lots of other teams have, are in a similar spot. Lots of players have gone overseas, yep. and some clubs have been with, yeah, uh, have a bit more money can can attract some 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 fairly good replacements. But it feels like a lot. There's been a lot of promotion from within across a lot of different clubs, and yeah. Tell you, I think Brisbane's only got three um, imports this season, and I think so. We, we're certainly not the only ones who are. No. following the same suit and I mean, it's pretty much just a example of how tough the financial climate is for sports teams at this point in time and it's a prudent move We'd, i'd rather have a club to support than one that goes bust because they're spending all their money in two seasons and you know trying to attract big players and it fails so if the way of keeping the club moving forward into the future is to sign the young players to contracts and look at uh, you know selling them on in the future then so be it that's good we've still got a club that's the most important thing yeah and I think I think it probably reflects the the 
kind of forecasted market for sport as well at the moment. I think if you if you're in that modeling space and you're looking at the financial stuff for the next couple of years, you know there's not a big cash injection just over the horizon. You know, I think perhaps across COVID and some of that, there might have been a bit of a rose tinted glass in some of the uh, some of the owners' eyes in terms of thinking as soon as we're out of this, the money's going to come pouring back in. But I think the reality of the world is is showing that whilst you're not going to be without money. It's you know that the the ticket sales aren't going to suddenly skyrocket back to huge numbers. The marketing money's not coming back. The TV's not coming back. There's there's some stuff there that you need to steal yourself around for the next couple of years and rebuild and and you know do some of that stuff um, the tough way, which is probably driving a bit of that. So I think I think there's probably a bit of both, right? They're feeling the pinch, but they're also looking ahead, going that pinch isn't ending this season. Yeah, isn't Rob just going to cash a one twelfth check of um, the winery, his winery neighbour, um, as it's the, the new license cost and um, the the pyramid scheme of trying to bring in more people to prop up the current investors? I mean, there must be a, a bit of a cut from that twenty five million dollar um, entrant fee, right? I mean, maybe maybe instead of going for the pyramid scheme, they need more like multi-level marketing, and you get you know referral fees and bonuses, and you yeah. build build the teams under you, so you get your cut. Uh, maybe that's the the model for the future with tier two. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I guess. No, I wouldn't say there doesn't seem to be a lot of optimism around the the fan base at the moment. Is that no? I, I wouldn't say that, and I think I think that's probably going to be a challenge for Chiefy as well in terms of not only the fans are trying to get, you know, that, that 12th man support and, and stuff that the, the Phoenix often has, but I think it's, it's going to be a challenge in the dressing room as well. You know, when you've, when you've got a younger squad and you've got some of that stuff, a few of those players will be confidence players and a couple of bad beats early in the season um, is going to make that even harder to turn around. So I think that's, that's going to be a challenge across the season as well. Cause I think we will, looking at the depth of the squad and, and you know, the, that kind of pessimism I think some of the fans feel. Um, there probably are some bad beats to be had this season and it's going to be a, a test of his coaching metal, I guess, to see how he can keep that squad motivated and performing through potentially some of those because even if you do take some bad beats, as, as we've talked about, there are some other squads also on austerity measures, you know, and, and are there to be beaten. So... Uh, we're going to have to find that balance and find that that confidence and, and positivity through all of that. Yeah, well, it starts this weekend against uh, Western Sydney Wanderers and the Marco Rudan coached side. Uh, I had a brief look at their squad. I haven't really been paying too much attention, but they've, I mean, they've lost a bunch of players. Um, he's almost done the Tony Popovich clear out, I think. Um, lots of players got sick of his... Uh, Maybe his methods and have left. Um, who are they lost? Ale Looney, I think he he's gone. Uh, Schneiderlin, Yengi went over. He's over in Portsmouth. Neuenhoff, he's over in Scotland. So, like I say, there's a few people who have gone back to Europe. Seem to recruit a couple of well, a few few from around the league. Um, who have we got here? Uh, Berlante, obviously from Victory, didn't have a great season last year. So, has to be seen whether he is back to his normal. Billy Jack Clisby's from coming from Perth. Um, I think Leighton Brooks, who's from Victory, and um, Pereira's from Western United, I think. But a couple of uh, new imports: uh, Marcus Antonsson, a striker winger, played mostly in Sweden. One one season with Leeds in the Championship, we didn't play that much, and then one season Blackburn. So he seems to have a fairly good um, track record. Jimmy Hendricks' brother, Horat Hendricks, twenty-eight-year-old midfielder, played. 173 games for PSV. It's pretty impressive. And then a couple of seasons in Russia in the last um, couple of seasons in Russia and then last season with Fortuna Dusseldorf in Bundesliga 2. So again, another one who seems to have a fairly good pedigree and probably goes to say with the kind of the money that the Wanderers can can throw around at some of their, some of their foreign players. Yeah, and I think, I think these two are those kind of classic you measure your season on the strike rate of these sorts of players. You know, they they obviously both come from a decent pedigree. They look on paper like they should be able to perform in this league. And I guess the measure of their season might well make or break on whether or not they perform as, as they hope they will. Um, and you just don't know until the season starts. They could be they could be absolutely gangbusters, golden boot winners, or they could be duds. You know, you've got to say 
the 173 games for PSV looks looks great, but then then a decline to going and playing some some football in Russia and then slipping back into some you know some mid tiers in Europe still should be a good enough level, but doesn't suggest the career was still on the up, right? You know things were things were dropping away there, and maybe there's a reason for that. Yeah, in fact, he's 28. It's, you know, like he's not it's not eking into his 30s. So no, yeah. Whereas I think Antonson, I think he was 34th. More like 34, so or 32 or something. So yeah, as you say, live and die by your the quality of imports, isn't it really? Uh, Wanderers do have a well, Rudan do have, does a very ruthless streak that if he doesn't like it, he's going to find a way to get rid of and and bring in someone else. So so that game is on Sunday. I can't remember what time. If anyone remember before I bring it up, I couldn't have even told you it was on Sunday. I know it's <laughs> this weekend, and I know it's not here. There you go, 5 p.m. 5 p.m. our time. And then uh, the women are on at, I think, 7.45 afterwards. So that's your Sunday night uh, before Labor Day on Monday. Um, do we have any rollicking predictions for this weekend slash the rest of the season? I'm a little reticent at the moment. I really want to see them have a hit out in anger before I start coming to conclusions. I have full belief that the players are capable of being a playoff team but we've had a lot of change within the club and obviously there's a lot of young guys come in so I want to I want to reserve expectation at least for a couple more weeks I mean I find it I find it really tough to 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 give a prediction because I think part of me at my core says I think this is really good for the future of the club I think a strategy where we're building New Zealand players we're promoting youth um, is probably the future we need to be building towards. I think realistically we can't rely on importing talent. I think this is good for New Zealand football. I think a second A-League franchise and stuff, this this all makes sense on many levels. And I'm sure you wouldn't have Chiefy saying this is a two-year project. You know, he's, he's looking at this season, that's what he's all about. So part of me at my core says as a fan, I think this is good. I think this is the future. But then the other part of me goes, but I don't want us to get absolutely hammered this year. And I have this fear that we will. Um, so I think I think for me, it's going to be a tough season. And I think it's going to be hard to um, see the positives out of some of the games, I suspect. But I, ju- I just hope we make decent account of ourselves. You know, even if we miss out on playoffs, um, hopefully it's only by a bit and you know there are some good wins in there I think would be my expectation for the season because I think I'm willing to put that part of my brain and my heart to one side and go I think this is the right thing to do and it should pay dividends in the future so I'm willing to suck up a, a tough season because we have some tough seasons that aren't building for the future too you know <laughs> we, there are some in there where you know we spent a lot of money on imports and they still were shit so I'd rather we have a slightly tough season that's about something. So I think I'm much more positive uh, mindset. That than doesn't sound like there. you, Cam. You've no, never been not. called too positive, have you? Ever, ever. I've been known quite clearly as a cheerleader, and I don't mind admitting that I am one. Um, but yeah, I still, I still, I, I feel like there is a lot of good in the squad, and I genuinely think they can do very, very well. I just. It's hard, right? It's, it's really hard. When you look off the expectation you've come off of the last couple of years when you've had Ophi driving us into the playoffs and Rudan before that driving us into the playoffs and even off the back of COVID where we had the team with, you know, Davila and Taylor and all that, we're looking at effectively a high watermark for the Phoenix over the over the Ufi, uh time in charge. And this is quite a change. This is quite a big change. So it's going to be hard to see a lot of positivity from the fan base at this point in time. But I still think we should we should have excitement going into the into the season and, and, and hold judgment for a little bit longer until we can actually see what Chief can produce on the field. Thing to be perhaps hopeful for is even that Kalazic season there was something that came out of that you know we got sing out of that right like that was his first kind of introduction was kakachi that season as well or was he the one after i did think it was definitely sing that got the introduction sort of in that season and i guess basically our bench is going to be you know 20 year olds and under um you know when you're you know looking for a goal or um you know the game's gone or or, or whatever the circumstances there's always going to be some players getting blooded into the system and 
I think what will be interesting is is who who takes that opportunity and who doesn't. Obviously, Singh did and, and other players don't or struggle to, to step up. So even if the results aren't kind of there, there's, there's something for me to kind of grab onto. And the other thing is um, having some night games is even if the football's not going so well, there's something else to entertain to ta- you know, to entertain. Like it's a, it's a bit harder to get enthused by a game that's three o'clock in the afternoon and, and you're losing, <laughs> losing. You know, oh, I'm just gonna go home and you know get bored about it rather than oh well I can go out afterwards or. I'm loving the Friday nights. Eh? Friday night games are. Oh, yeah. I'm glad we've got those back. It's been a long time since we've had them, and they were always. Well, I just remember being in the grandstand and finishing up work at three o'clock on a Friday, going to the pub for three hours and four hours, and then off to the game, and it was absolutely brilliant. And I loved those those before I ever started going on the sidelines. So, yeah, it's yeah. Uh, Friday nights are, are fantastic for the zone. They may not be great for the crowd numbers, but they are always good for the atmosphere. Yeah, and I think I think I think that's exactly right, Dale. I think while I might be struggling to find excitement about the season as a whole, I, I definitely think there will be some exciting um, individual things to, to be pleased about there, whether they be um, uncovering some talents, but also some of those games are undoubtedly going to be very good games. But it's the the season excitement I think I'm struggling to find at the moment. And I mean, historically I go in, even even if we uh, the rest of the fan base might be dour on our squad I usually go into that first game feeling a lot of excitement for the season and saying this is our year and it never has been so far so maybe the fact I'm going in saying this is not our year means we're gonna bloody win the damn thing <laughs> and that'll that'll be fine by me you think uh Cap- wow. Captain, Captain Pennington lifting up the toilet seat because Ruth has gone in and said is that your, is that your end oh, I mean he's lifting the Ballon d'Or oh jeez <laughs> I'm loving that positivity, Dave. Can you creep that around for the entire season? That would be that would be amazing. I mean, I think you might have missed the core thing I said there, Cam. No, 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 no. I haven't. I'm I'm just dwelling on the thing I think is the best, and that's your awesome positivity that we're going to win it. <laughs> All right, that's probably enough of that. A couple of things that uh, other random news that's popped up today. Um, our first Phoenix away game in November has been confirmed for. Uh, I was going to say Mount Smart, but it's, it's a Go Media Stadium now, I think. So, it's Mount Smart. Yeah, Mount Smart. Um, obviously moved away from Eden Park. I mean, unless Go Media would like to pay to sponsor the podcast, in which case we'll call <laughs> any stadium you like Go Media Stadium. <laughs> um, so I think a double header, I think, for the, both men and women. I'm not sure why they move away from Eden Park. I don't know if it's just a prediction on what crowd might be or the cost of renting it for two games maybe is. But um, I can report, uh, for those who haven't been to Mount Smart for a stadium, they have an excellent pop-up bar um, in one of the car parks outside. Um, so you can literally stumble 10 yards into the grandstand. Uh, discovered that the, the All-Whites game up there, I think. Yeah. Hopefully it's uh, open for that match day, because how <laughs> disappointing to finally have that and it not be open or something. That would be a yeah. shocker. They'd be allow pass-outs, so they'd be quite handy. <laughs> The other other biggish news is the, the S- Sydney Festival what was a week of football festival has died after one one season and has now resorted resorted back to I don't know the top qualifiers um, hosting the grand final and now they're introducing a was it uh, is it unity Unite round? round the unite, unite round sorry there yeah. you go. Night round, uh, so all games middle of January being played in New South Wales. Someone I saw pointed out on Twitter just about every New South Wales uh, team had an away game scheduled for that fixture. So, um, but I see they've tacked on it. It's amazing the week out from the season you can tack on a new round uh, to the A League. <laughs> it's, it's, it's mystical how this this uh, whole setup works. It's the joys of running your own league, I guess, isn't it? <laughs> Uh, let's put in an extra round. Only th- what five days out from the season start. I'm actually okay with this. I think this is, I'm okay with the idea, uh, and with a little more notice, I would 100% have gone, and I'd probably go to every game I could possibly get to. This is uh, this is quite a good initiative moving forward, in my opinion. I think it has potential. I think is what I'll say. I think it could go really well, or it could be an absolute nightmare. 
Um, I don't, I don't know which way it'll land at this point, but I, I think we've seen it work in other sports, you know, when the, was it the, um, the league used to do the nines, you know, you were bringing everyone together, you're doing that kind of stuff and you can still keep the same kind of um, ties to a club and all that stuff. But it sat kind of outside the competition, I think works a little better than this necessarily will. But I think there's, there's some elements of it I like um, and it'll really be the proofs in the pudding um, around it. So hope, hopefully it goes well and we don't, you know, we have we have fantastic football to talk about and a really great experience rather than a few rival get, groups getting, you know, <laughs> their, their, bra- their brawl on in different places across a weekend, you know. There's <laughs> there's the real potential for some flare-ups there too with idiots, you know. We've, we've seen that before. So I hope it doesn't go that way and I hope it doesn't um, tarnish the league like it could with some shit like that going down because putting all those fans in one boozy weekend in the same town with a couple of games to go to of their own club and a few other games to just go cause trouble at, the, the tinderbox might well be there to be lit. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I, th- I think for the league, I think they still do it for uh, during the season, I think, don't they? But I think they have like a couple of games a day, like they might have a Friday night, two Saturdays and two Sundays, which is this, this is at different stadiums, which is quite a different... Yeah, I think it's across three stadiums and there's three days, right? But it's all yeah. a bit all over the shop yeah so it's just how that how that kind of works i mean it's a, an epic uh, backflip isn't it from the apl after their sort of all eggs in the basket and uh the 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 reaction from the fan bases um and i guess the fallout from that in terms of um i guess crowds and engagement from i guess different teams and that and then the the bucket thing and had like could have saved themselves so much hassle just perhaps thinking about this first <laughs> and I, th- I think the thing is as well we're still missing that piece that makes this make sense it was the thing that was to some extent missing from the grand final having it in sydney thing as well was you know they're talking about these hotel packages and all this stuff but they're like oh we'll sell it at the start of the season before you even know who's in the final and i was like you haven't thought about how this actually works for people on the ground but i think i think we're still kind of missing that piece here of how you go cool we're having this amazing thing of three days of awesome football in one town but you haven't gone out and said and here's how you buy it click now to buy it you know Uh, make it make it easy and package it as a thing because it is going to be difficult to book flights and make this economical and all of that whereas if you'd been able to come out with this is the thing we're selling and we're giving you warning of it and all of that kind of stuff would be quite a different proposition to a fan then we've announced it now go do your thing so we can make some money you know like it's you haven't you haven't bought the fans on the journey um and i think that's the thing that's lacking there is as they seem to think just putting out some stuff into the universe will somehow resonate with fans rather than going we want to work with the fans to do this thing and i think that's that's probably a side effect of just the nature of it. A, this is a backflip, so it's a change in what their original concept was. You've got Destination New South Wales, the ones funding this rather than the APL, and there's there's a lot of competing interest there, but I think it's the thing that just keeps getting forgotten in all of this, is you can't just put out a media release and it'll happen. You know, There does need to be buy-in from your football community, and it just doesn't feel like that exists in a lot of these decisions, despite all the fan forums and this talk of you know we engage with the fans we do all this stuff it doesn't it's not very tangible to fans is what i'll say because i own enough money i could comfortably go to sydney but it wasn't the first thing i could do today as soon as they announced the thing was go drop a few thousand dollars on tickets and hotels right so now i go well if i'm not doing it today i'll leave it for a few weeks and by the time i go look in two months it'll be too expensive and i won't go you know yeah, it's a, it's a real shame we don't have the ability to put on a fever bus to you know Sydney and like that could be quite a cool yeah. quite a cool thing yeah. is and um, yeah it, it, I guess the, the, the traveling during school holidays does make it oh yeah price quite but even just something as simple as an expressions of interest with a with a preferred travel agent supplier or something you know register here if you're interested and then they'll you know come back to you with packages and options and payment plans and all that kind of stuff could work really well and it gives you the ability to go cool these people are coming from wellington these people are coming from adelaide we'll put all the wellington people in the same hotels and you know do some of that stuff create an experience out of it but it's just not the way this is done and it just feels bizarre to me that it's 
it's not thought like that. It just seems to think that there's kind of a, a money pinata element to fans who, for the most part, I can tell you football fans are not money pinatas, quite the opposite. But that doesn't mean they're not afraid to spend money. I was going to say, why don't you um, ask the club if uh, a fever plane is something that uh, the club could do? Because what a fantastic idea. Oh, that's really the thing, is. though. Why should it be on the fans to ask for that, right? Like, they're saying, we well, want well, everyone well, there, you know? We don't We don't know that they haven't already thought of this. It's just they haven't announced something like yeah, Exactly. That. So what, what yeah, I'm saying is, why wait, yeah. why wait for the club? Why not front foot it and go and ask them if that's something that they are thinking about doing? So let's get that out in the public eye now. Let's go and have a chat and say, we've thought about this. Have you thought about it? And they're going to come, yeah, we're working on blah, blah, blah plans. We're going to go, fantastic, thanks. We'll have buy-in on that. So I'm not saying that we're expecting the club to, uh, the club is expecting us to have done it. I'm saying, why don't we just front foot that and see if it's something that can happen? So, I think we're playing Perth in that game, eh? So it could have been a good good punch on for the distance derby cut before we change direction to the Black Knights. Changing allegiances early, are you? <laughs> well, no, Getting no. special one to work up some, uh, some fan kits already. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe if anyone, even if, um, Phoenix fans, uh, if they want to punch on, maybe just go wear like a, a black t-shirt and say, you know, we're Sydney for life or something. All right, uh, that's probably enough. I think we've probably yarned on for far too long. Cool. So that's uh, that's fairly full uh, full agenda. Um, yeah. So yep, uh, big weekend or big Sunday night for us against uh, Western Sydney Wanderers. Um, and hopefully mate, we're not watching between too many fingers and in, in pain on both both accounts. But uh, until next week, uh, I'll just say uh, goodbye. And Frosty out.